You are listening to You Were Made for This, the podcast to help people of faith find more joy in their relationships. Welcome to You Were Made for This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode, where today, as always, I'm here to help us consider how we can experience more joy in our relationships. Are you tired of all the coronavirus news, almost all of which is depressing and negative, and some of it is conflicting information? You know, one week it's the average person on the street should not be wearing masks when they're out and about, and then two weeks later it's all about we all should be wearing masks. It's like columnist Peggy Noonan's comment from episode 57 that I mentioned a few weeks back, where she said, we're all just feeling our way through this, and it's going to be a mess. I like that. Well, at the risk of adding to the information overload about the coronavirus, today I want to offer one simple but useful perspective I'm almost certain you haven't heard elsewhere. I know I haven't but I'm convinced it could make these difficult times not only more bearable for us, but actually enriching. So keep listening. I can sum up this particular perspective of mine on the COVID-19 crisis in just three words. Here they are. You might want to get a pencil to write them down. Here are the three words. Let's create something. Let's use our current coronavirus problem as an opportunity to create something. When this crisis is over and done with, we may not have the unique opportunity to create something as we do now. One of these days, we're all going to be back to our place of employment with our coworkers, the kids will return to school, and the routine we followed before the virus hit will soon dominate our lives. The disruption in all this now gives us an opportunity to enrich the relationships in our life. Genesis 1 in the Bible tells us that all people are created in the image of God. Because God is a creator, when we create something, we are reflecting the character of God. When we create something, it's one way we connect in our relationship with God. Because we become his image bearers when we create. So let's create something. I suggest three ways that we can create. The first is this, remove something. I've been working on decluttering my office. What used to be a dining room table in our last house is now my desk in our downsized new house. The act of getting rid of stuff that accumulated on top of my desk is starting to free my mind for new possibilities. It's like airing out the house the first time it gets warm after a long winter. On a larger scale, We can remove a distraction in our life so we can focus on what's important in our relationships. We can intentionally remove a dysfunctional pattern of behavior in how we relate to people. Sometimes creation starts with elimination. We can start from scratch. We have the option to remove activities in our life that keep us from relationships, that free ourselves up for relationships with people, by removing that which only serves to keep us busy. 
It's energizing to create some void in our life, some space, so that God can fill it with something more fulfilling than what we discard. I think of sports right now. There's certainly a void there at the moment. There's nothing much from the sports world on TV now, except things like the um, 1993 State of Montana High School Girls Volleyball Tournament, stuff like that. So let's use this forced upon us void in the spring of 2020 to fill with something new and good, something that's creative for us. So remove something. That's the first way we can create. The second way to create is make something. Here's a real simple example. The other day, Janet went down into our basement and brought up a bread maker that we haven't used in years. And she decided that she was going to create by making bread. So that's what she did. She took a loaf to two different neighbors. Uh, Both were grateful. But one returned several days later with a plate of homemade cookies and a card. The front of the card was a quote from Samuel Johnson, an 18th century English writer. And here's what it read. And it's so timely for the age that we're in right now. Johnson said the following. To be happy at home is the ultimate result of all ambition, the end to which all enterprise and labor tends. I really like that quote. What he's really saying in contemporary language is that we work really hard at our jobs so that we can go home and relax and enjoy the benefits of just being at home. And we work toward that end. We work eight hours a day or more, and now we're at home all day. On the inside, uh, our neighbor wrote a thank you note for the bread and said that she loved Janet's idea of taking something to give to a neighbor and that she was going to do the same. What a, what a great way to create something, not just baked goods, but to use what is created to create a slightly stronger connection with a neighbor. Well, this baking thing uh, really got into Janet, and, and so she decided she would bake some more. And so a few days later, she made up a batch of cookies. And we took them to a friend's house for their three young kids, the, the oldest of which is in first grade. We called before we came, and when we got there, we put them on the porch and uh, waited for them to come out, chat with us for a bit. Well, we were in our car, and they were uh, at an appropriate distance. The kids, of course, grabbed the cookies and went inside, and that's the last we saw of them. But we had a great talk with their mom and dad. Well, uh, the the child's mother told us, uh, we were asking him, how's it going homeschooling with your kids, uh, you know, not being in school, and how's that going for her? And she said, well, here's an interesting story. She said, our daughter uh, in first grade, uh, their teacher encouraged uh, all her students to stay connected with each other by writing letters to one another during this stay-at-home period. Uh, The mom said that that Naomi, their oldest daughter, now doesn't want to go back to school. Uh, She loves her teachers and she loves learning, but she said she would really miss the letters that her classmates were sending back and forth to each other. Many of them were just left in mailboxes because it's a very tight neighborhood, and others were sent through the postal service. On the way home, I was thinking about this, and on the next day, I mailed a note to the kids myself. I asked if they would write a story for me, 
a story about a deer, a feather, and a birthday cake. <laughs> a deer, a feather, and a birthday cake. Well, why, why did uh, Jan and I do all this? For us, it was an act of creation. It was to add an experience to our homebound life by driving to our friend's house to connect with them. We hadn't seen them in weeks, and we missed them. And then we wanted to connect ourselves with this couple through something very important to them, their children. It reminds me of a quote that a missionary couple um, uh, gave us a long time ago. Uh, they had invited over. They had invited us uh, to dinner, and I was asking them, uh, "When did you feel most cared for by by your supporters, by your churches when when you you were overseas?" And uh, the wife started talking about all the care packages that she got. That was her love language, obviously, and she remembered them in great detail. And then she dropped this one liner at the end that I it just really stuck with me. I just it just resonates with me every time I think of it. And she said this. When you love my baby, you love me. Even if my baby is uh, 25 years old and a college senior 6,000 miles away. When you love my baby, you love me. So that's part of it. Another part is uh, with regard to the note that I mailed to the kids to create this story with a deer, a feather, and a birthday cake. It was really to create, uh, oh, maybe five to ten minutes of respite for mom while the kids worked on this uh, story project. I was thinking about her, actually. What, what could we do to divert these kids so that she could have five to ten minutes of peace? And so that, that was a big part of the motivation. At the time of this podcast production, the kids have, in fact, written a story, and we're just waiting for them to get started on the illustrations. Mom said that they will mail it to us when they're finished. I can't wait to see what they came up with what they created. So one way to create is to make something. Make a loaf of bread. Make a batch of cookies. Make an experience. There's a million things we could make. And then use what you've made to foster a relationship. The third way we can create is to connect something. Janet created a connection with our neighbor by sharing what she made which our neighbor reciprocated. That deepened our connection with her and her husband. Then we connected with the young couple I mentioned with the three young kids through the cookies Janet made and through the experience I created for their children for the story I asked them to write. Creating enhanced connections like these remind us during these difficult times that we are not going through them alone. Another connection we can make that is helpful during days like this is to connect our current situation with the past, with what has happened before, to consider our relationship with time, with history, to put the present in the context of the past. You may have heard variations of comments like this from the news media. These are unprecedented times. We are in uncharted waters. We've never been through anything like this before. Well, in a sense, that's true. The specifics of the events of the COVID-19 pandemic are things we haven't experienced before. However, if we take the time to connect the current with the past, statements like the above are just not true. 
Our national health has been endangered before, just as it is now. The polio scare of the early and mid-1950s altered my childhood. We were afraid then, as we are now. I remember wanting to go outside to play, and my mom said, No, you've got to stay inside. We don't want you to get polio. And uh, we made it through. We made it through the 50s. Before that, there was the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918. It infected 500 million people, about a quarter of the world's population at the time. And anywhere from 17 to 50 million people died, possibly as high as 100 million. But we survived as a nation, though we were afraid then too. In a recent episode, I think it was 57 or 58, I mentioned Martin Luther's response to the bubonic plague, the Black Plague of the 17th century, where one-fourth of Europe died because of the plague. Europe survived, and they will again. Back here in the U.S., during the latter part of the 50s, we didn't have active shooters in schools like sometimes happens today, fortunately. Instead, we had atom bomb drills, whereas kids, we sat in the hallways with arms over our head for protection. Yeah, that was going to do a lot of good if a bomb hit our school building, <laughs> putting our hands over our head. But it gave us something to do and a measure of control. Um, and we were afraid then, just like we are now. But we all made it. In 1962, we thought it was all over with the Cuban Missile Crisis, and A-bombs would be heading our way at any moment. We were really, really scared then. We were afraid of Nikita Khrushchev, premier of the Soviet Union, who at the time once got so angry at the United States in addressing the United Nations Assembly, he took off his shoe and banged it on the podium where he was speaking. He was a scary guy. On another occasion, he said of the Western nations, we will bury you. But we all made it. A year later, JFK, one of the most beloved presidents in our history, was gunned down. We were afraid then, too, deeply grieving. But we all made it. In April of 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, followed by the slaying of presidential hopeful Bobby Kennedy just two months later. But we all made it through that national turmoil, too. We were afraid, we were afraid, but we made it. And we're afraid now, but just like before, we'll make it through this too. If you forget everything else, here's the one thing I hope that you remember from today's episode. The difficult times we are in can be eased and even enriched when, as people of faith, we look for ways to reflect the character of God. And one way is to create, because God created. We can create by removing something, making something, or connecting something. Here's what you can do in response to today's show. What can you connect our present times with in your own personal history? What have you learned from past difficulties in your life when you were afraid that you can draw upon to deal with today's problems? What can you make to share with someone? A photograph? A batch of cookies? I don't need to give you any more ideas. You'll have better ones on your own. What can you remove from your life to create more space, which in turn helps create peace? Empty space in your garage? 
your basement, maybe even your car. We can all create. And when we do, we make God smile because he creates too. As always, another thing you can do is to let me and your fellow listeners know what resonated with you about today's episode. You can share your thoughts in the leave a reply box at the bottom of the show notes, or you can send them to me in an email to john at caringforothers.org. Some of you have been responding, and I'll be sharing some of them in, in upcoming episodes. I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act so that you will find the joy God intends for you through your relationships. Because after all, you were made for this. And now for our relationship quote of the week. Comes to us from James Bryant Smith, author. He says the following, I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. I live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I. (laughs) The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I. Thank you for that, James Bryan Smith. Well, that's all for today, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Goodbye for now.